0: to The Public Good, a weekly radio show and podcast brought to you by Partnership for the Public Good. Each week, we discuss important issues affecting the Buffalo-Niagara region, from community benefits agreements to the foster care system to arts initiatives. Our guests span from PPG partners, elected officials, community leaders, and more. Our show is produced by Central Smith of WUFO, Power 96.5 FM, and Mix 1080 AM, with production support by me, Anna Blotto, research associate at PPG. The episode airs live on WUFO on Tuesdays at 10:30 a.m. Erie County officials want to spend over 200 million dollars planning and constructing a new county jail. In Erie County, a jail sentence becomes a death sentence every six months. Instead, no new jail roundtable members recommend investing this money in community solutions, mental health and substance use treatment, youth programs, housing, education and all the other things we know keep us safe. On this episode, we're joined by two No New Jail Roundtable members. Felicia Brown is the director of Black Love Resists in the Rust, and Colleen Krustich is PPG's senior community researcher. Listen to their overview of what Erie County is planning, what should be done instead, and an upcoming opportunity to make your voices heard at a community event. Delve into her plans for My Grandmother's Garden and shed light on the transformative impact she hopes to achieve. Join us as we explore Camila's journey and the vision behind this remarkable community nutrition hub.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Public Good. This is Deja James from Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, which unites over 365 community organizations working to build a better Buffalo. We're delighted to join you every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. on Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 a.m. You can also watch live video of every show on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ppgbuffalo. Don't forget to follow PPG on Facebook and Twitter, and of course, you can always get great information on our website, ppgbuffalo.org. Our guests today are Colleen Kirstich and Felicia Brown from the No New Jails Roundtable. They are here to discuss their advocacy against a new proposed $100 million jail in Western New York and to raise community awareness. Thank you both for being here, but I first want to start for the community members listening. What is the, propo- the current proposed new jail and who's proposing it and who's supporting this effort? Mm.
2: Um, So the idea of building a new jail has been around um, in Buffalo for, well, in Erie County for a little bit, um, but it wasn't necessarily solidified until um, the county executive, Mark Poloncarz, announced in his state of the county that he was going to allocate funding in order to start the process of building the jail um, and begin...
3: Um, just kind of like thinking about that a little bit more
2: i don't know if you want to say more about that
3: yeah i think the Sher- sheriff garcia talked started talking about it um just like as an aside in a couple news articles maybe last summer so like end of summer 2022 and then um it was yeah it sort of popped up in a couple news articles over the winter and he had a Editorial in the Buffalo News, um, a, like two days before the state of the county. So there was uh, more detail that he laid out in his editorial about what he wanted, um, and then yeah, two days later, uh, County Executive and cars announced that he was that there would be a new jail and that he was going to start the process.
1: And Sheriff Garcia's newer. So was this new new, um, new jail proposed prior
3: to Sheriff Garcia too, like
1: last Sheriff Howard or? Is it just starting with this
3: new sheriff? To my knowledge, it's just started with Garcia. Yeah. Um, Erie County has had two jails for a long, you know, many, many years. And uh, there there wasn't talk of it before he came into office, Mm -hmm. as far as I know.
1: Right. And there's a hundred million dollars proposed to cover this. Is that just county money? Is there state money involved? Or what what would be covering the cost of a, a new jail? So
2: I think a hundred million dollars is kind of on the low ball. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Of what the cost would be. Yeah. Um, but to my knowledge, it could be a combination of funding, but mostly um, funding that will come through the county for the jail.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the county executive has said it would cost a hundred million, and the sheriff has said it would cost two hundred million. Um, so, it could be anywhere um, mm-hmm. at or above those numbers. Um, and I think in one news article. Uh, County Executive Poloncar said uh, they would pursue state and federal grants for it mm-hmm. um, the initial funding that we're talking about he announced in the state of the county was 2.5 million dollars and that was coming from surplus county funds so in 2022 there was more sales tax mm-hmm. revenue than they thought there would be so mm-hmm. they had something close to I think 94 million dollars of like extra money and mm-hmm. that was one of the ways that they wanted to start um, the jail was using some of that money
1: right Uh, In the past, there's been proposals to renovate the county holding center downtown to redo some of the jails that already exist. Why was that plan maybe abandoned and a new jail proposed instead?
2: Um, I'm not sure, actually. I think to um, what Colleen was saying, that the new jail idea kind of just popped up Mm -hmm. um, and the sheriff started going forward and like talking to people about this idea of a new jail, writing news editorials Mm -hmm. um, and talking to folks in the community (laughs) about Mm -hmm. it. Um, And then, like I said, with uh, the county executive announcing that proposal Mm -hmm. in his uh, state of the county, it just seems to kind of like come out of nowhere
3: yeah yeah and i mean the two jails are half empty now Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. the population of the jails has been going down for i think at least the last 10 years but especially since um bail reform in 2020 um since people can't be held with on high bails for misdemeanors and violations like they were before Mm -hmm. 2020 um yeah so that's made it so both jails are half empty, but the state has requirements for minimum staffing levels based on the size of the facility. So even Uh, though they're half empty, they still have to have the same number of staff as if it was totally full capacity, right? Yeah, so that is costly and it's costing the county, you know, quite a bit in um, personnel to staff both. And so, I mean, I brought up that issue and others have been advocating just around like Uh, the high operating costs of both jails of, like, around $100 a year um, in staffing costs, um, really proposing, you know, to address that issue, mainly advocating for consolidating into one facility Mm -hmm. or closing down parts of both facilities, so that really just looking at that mismatch between the state saying, oh, you have to pretend like there's a thousand people in this jail, even Mm -hmm. if there's only 300, Mm -hmm. like, that just doesn't make sense. So, I think they're uh, using that at at this point to argue for shutting both facilities and building a new jail when really, like, there's, I think, a lot of ways that that problem could be addressed. And um, they, uh, to my knowledge, haven't done the study, the work to decide, you know, what parts of the jails could be renovated, um, how to make maybe one of the facilities be the only facility um, and close down the other one. right. I haven't seen any like detailed mm-hmm. estimates or proposals about right.
2: that. And I think it's also important to, to note that the holding center is in terrible shape, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest pushbacks that we get is that the um, holding center is horrible and nobody should be um, being who should be living in those conditions. And we also agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like we're pushing back on the fact that the holding the center is in deplorable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. conditions and that people are being in the holding center with a lack of hot running water and, mm-hmm. you know, all the other things that have been talked about, you know, th- mm-hmm. the, the, even thinking about the way that COVID spread in the mm-hmm. holding center, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, all the other claims that are that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is important to note that we also agree that the holding center is in terrible conditions, mm-hmm. and we believe that there is a way to um, to improve the conditions that doesn't include building a brand new facility.
1: Right. And even with the new facility, there still would need to be a holding center, right, because people go there prior to their court dates or things of that nature where they don't necessarily need to be shipped off long term, but kind of are sitting and waiting sometimes if they don't have bail or things like that. So would the proposal be to shut down the holding center as well for this new facility or they kind of haven't laid out that full plan yet?
3: Yeah, i think that's um what has been proposed is to consolidate both jails into one facility because um, a lot of people and i think it used to be this way in erie county think that the holding center is just people that are pre-trial and the facility in alden is just sentenced people but actually that's not true right um it's both in both places Mm There's sentenced and Mm -hmm. pre-trial people being held in both spots Mm -hmm. and um so already it's sort of not really being used for the intended purpose of like, oh, people who are only staying a short time are downtown and people who have to stay like a year or, Mm -hmm. you know, many months are in Alden. Um, But yeah, so I think, I think that's what is being proposed is one big facility. And um, to be clear, the sheriff's proposal is to build a 1500 bed facility even though there's only 800 people um, currently held now in both jails so he's proposing to build a facility that's twice the size of the current number of people wow. and knowing what we know about the state's regulations they would still need to staff oh. that facility as if there were 1500 people in there yeah. so it wouldn't actually save money if you build this huge yeah extra facility so yeah um, yeah so so really it's it's not being used the way people think it is now and yeah. um, both facilities do have some problems but i also just wanted to note real quick about the holding center yeah. a lot of people think that it was built in 1937 and there is a section that is that old and yeah. there are you know barred cells that have this these problems but that's actually a pretty small Section of that jail and uh, most of the beds are in other sections that were built in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference in the holding center between the worst conditions mm-hmm. and the conditions that are not great because it's still a jail, but right. also aren't anywhere like 1937s, like wow. terrible, um, you know, the pictures that you see are in those really, really bad sections. And that's a small part of the jail.
1: Yeah. Um, so have there been ever any efforts to address the past issues and the current issues in the holding center before they're proposing this new kind of supposed fix um, or is this their answer? Um, has there been anything addressed for the people that have, like you said, COVID spread? There's people that have died in the holding center and things of that nature. Have those issues been addressed directly um, or indirectly at all? <clears throat> You can start. Now. Oh, OK. Um,
3: it depends on who you talk to. There are um, some programs now, for example, medication-assisted treatment is mm-hmm. offered in the jails. That's required by state law as mm-hmm. recently as, I think, 2021 or 2022. So mm-hmm. people who have, especially opioid um, use disorder, mm-hmm. are mandated to continue receiving their medications, whereas before, they weren't so if you were taking medications you know outside the jail you would just get cut off as soon as you were you know put in Mm -hmm. um so that that is taking place now um uh, beyond that there's no reason in my opinion to think that the conditions are materially that different Mm -hmm. than they were under the previous sheriff Mm -hmm. um the main reason for that is people are still dying and Mm -hmm. arguably of medical neglect so Mm sean Rudin died. And I think it was July 2022 Mm -hmm. after, um, going through alcohol withdrawal, like for days and had seizures and, um, fell repeatedly, had bruises all over his body. Mm -hmm. And by the time he was finally taken to the hospital, it was too late and he died. Mm -hmm. So like, that's still happening. That's Mm -hmm. still medical neglect. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, I do think Um, folks have tried to put some measures in place like the um, Erie County Specialist Advisory Board you know all of these things Mm -hmm. but any kind of um, any measures that we are putting in place without addressing the culture doesn't actually um, it doesn't have the effect that I think people think it might have Mm -hmm. right and so until we look at the fact that jails are not places for people who have Um, mental health needs or behavioral health needs, right? Mm -hmm. We should not be building a jail so that people can get better mental health care in there, right? And so until we address, like, the culture of jails and of incarceration Mm -hmm. and this issue of mass incarceration, Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to matter what measures are put in place Mm -hmm. to try to address the physical conditions of the jail, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, And it's not going to even if we did build a new jail, right? Mm -hmm. Having shifting to a new building still doesn't change the culture. You know, Colleen lifted Mm up that uh, the number of people dying in the jails now is still the same as the number of people dying in the jails under Sheriff power mm-hmm. And that's one person every six months, right? Mm-hmm. And so even with what was perceived to be a great shift in um, who the, um, who was overseeing the jail population, right, mm-hmm. who was overseeing the jails, mm-hmm. um, we're still at a place where the same thing is continuing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, for we have to consider the fact that it might it's not about who the sheriff is Mm -hmm. right it's not about what the building looks like it's not about what the amenities are in Mm -hmm. that building it's not about the programs that are offered in the building right it is the Fact that jails are just not places for people who need help, yeah. right? Yeah. And the fact that um, if we are not addressing the um, issues and the underlying issues that lead to that lead people to yeah. incarceration. Um, which of of which poverty is the the biggest one of the biggest ones right yeah. if we're not addressing those things in the community um, then yeah people the people are going to the people are going to use the jails as a place to try to address those issues and that's just not the place to do that
1: right right and you've all worked on a couple of initiatives that are alternatives to jails. What are some of those things? What are some of those proposals so that we're not funneling people into jail systems? What, what are some solutions to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
2: mean, I think one of the things that we've been working on now is the community responder model um, coalition, which we've been working to bring to Erie County. Um, and it's the idea that There are these community responder teams um, who are made up of peers and experts um, and without police who can respond to calls um, that involve mental or behavioral health, or even just like the things that people call the police for that are not like high level violent crimes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's been a lot of pushback on that idea, right? Um, And most of the pushback has been about funding, that Mm -hmm. there's no funding for it. And it sounds like a good idea, but we don't have the funding. And so it is interesting to be looking at not having the funding for something that could um, mitigate the harms of incarceration and also like really truly help our communities, Mm -hmm. um, but somehow being able to find funding to build a new facility
3: okay yeah and uh, another driver you know is uh mental health and drug use and that is a big reason the sheriff keeps lifting up for building a new facility is because he says that 57 percent of the jail population has mental health issues but if you talk to people in the mental health field locally there's not enough staff there uh not enough funding they're very burned out they're stretched from the pandemic and right. all of the mental health issues created there and um, erie county funds uh the jail Jails at something something like seventeen times more than they fund mental health so mm. I, and I actually do know the numbers because I was just looking at that so the jails cost around 100 million a year mm. and the county mental health department gets state funding okay. of over 50 million dollars but then Erie County only adds six million dollars on top of that wow. so Erie County spends six million dollars on mental health and over a hundred million on jails and so yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the, the possibilities are endless for the things that could be done in the yeah. community um, one really obvious example is that uh, CPAP has has had a lot of um, overcrowding over the last year. It's been reported widely that people were sleeping on the floor Mm -hmm. for like up to three days, just waiting to see a doctor Mm -hmm. um, for a mental health issue. And um, there's been, you know, some advances to open like crisis centers and sort of like lower level um, mm-hmm. care centers, mm-hmm. uh, which is positive, but so there's some, you know, state funding, especially for mental health coming in. So there are steps in the right direction, but it's almost like, it, it's just very obvious, Like people need housing they need health care they need you know food (laughs) Mm -hmm. the very basic um, things that would lead to uh, people getting their needs met in the community and not ending up in jails where everything is many times more expensive to provide and not as effective because it's in this environment that's by design punishing isolating traumatizing um, conditions and that just makes people's problems worse right right
2: and I think something that you um, brought up around like all the things that we need in our community and them being um, things that keep people out of jails and also there are things that make our community strong right Mm -hmm. and so um, there is something to building strong resource communities. There's a lot of research that support supports that the most resource communities, right have the have less crime, mm-hmm. um, have less people who are going to jail, going to prison, have less interactions with the police, have less police, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, Um, it is something that we have to be asking ourselves, what is it that we're really investing in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, are we investing in strong resource communities or are we gonna continue this punishment-based system that we know doesn't work, right? Right. Look at the recidivism rate, you know? The people who go into into the jails oftentimes are just gonna end up back there, right? And so, unless we are doing something to shape and build and fortify what we have going on in our communities, mm-hmm. um, again the problems are not going to change.
1: Right. It's it's almost as if they're they're funding the band aids or the back end of it versus the front end and the preventative measures, exactly. um, and that really would never work. I know um, in the last few years they opened like a re-entry service center that was attached to the holding center that's supposed to address recidivism and give resources, mental health, maybe housing, maybe even mental health counseling. I think they partnered with Best Self and things of that nature. But like you said, a lot of those service agencies are overrun, over capacity, a little bit stretched thin, and underfunded. And so even though they have this partnership, I don't know if they received any further funding to address those issues. But unless you do, it really is hard to actually address the real problem, the root of the problem.
3: Yeah, and there's a balance, like there's obviously we want good medical care for people who are incarcerated, and there is, you know, good reasons to have good programming inside jails but that only goes so far because people are only in jail for a limited time, usually several months at the most, Mm -hmm, you know, and mm -hmm. so there's only so far that goes until even if you have the best reentry services in the world, if you can't find that person an apartment once they're out because of a housing crisis and that person's criminal record, yeah, What's that person supposed to know? Yeah. So I mean, that's why I, there are like some, um, especially like more intensive or more supportive programs for people with mental illness and, mm-hmm. and drug use um, that need to, that do exist now, but they're just too small and limited and underfunded. So mm-hmm. there are you know permanent supportive housing options for people that have mental health issues that are Going to be with them the rest of their life and they need that type of support Mm -hmm. Um, but there's just not enough beds for the number of people that need that type of care Um, so just i mean personally i just think more of those things that um aren't as you know related to the like our community based and our more long-term solutions um just have to be crafted based on the specific needs of the people that we're talking about um that often come back over and over again, or are there because they have health needs. Because that's really what it's about. It's their health is okay. a problem that is not going to be addressed in jail adequately. Um, it's not enough um, support there right now. It's a really traumatizing conditions, and it's, it's short term. So we really really need to just invest Money and just time and attention mm-hmm. into really looking deeper at what's driving the problem in the first place. And that's why, to me, like a jail facility is so not mm-hmm. at the level that we need to be engaging with some of these issues at. Yeah. yeah. Right. And
2: I think, too, um, part of that is talking to the community, right? Um, our elected officials cannot just think up things mm-hmm. and decide that they're going to happen if we actually do want to look at the root causes mm-hmm. and shift um, the way people are engaged with the um, criminal legal system, right? right? And so it is like knocking doors, talking to people, asking people what they need, having real conversations with folks, having focus groups, you know, like doing an honest needs assessment of in the community and like talking to people, um, even people who have been in the holding center or who have ever been incarcerated, right? About what led to their incarceration, right? And like thinking about all of those kinds of um, things and like conversations, um, I hate to say surveys, Mm -hmm. but you know, like really having honest conversations with everyday people about what is happening um, to get to the root causes. To mitigate the harms right. of being incarcerated, um, which we know extends far beyond even the person who is incarcerated, right? right? Of course, it extends to their family, it extends to the community at large, right? And so, um, if we it, doing a real needs assessment and really talking to people on the ground and like people mm-hmm. on their doors mm-hmm. in their communities about what is happening, is the only way that we're going to get to the place where we can even dream up what the possibilities might be right right right. um instead of just deciding we just need a new jail we need a 1500 bed jail
1: for whatever reason yeah
2: um and if we just build this new facility and put some mental health stuff in there everything's gonna be okay no
1: right yeah the community problems are still there, and that's mm-hmm. part, part of your group's biggest advocacy is platforming, co- trying to platform community voice in these processes. And I know you all had a public forum at Merriweather Library a few weeks ago, um, and I would love for you to talk about that a little bit, your key takeaways, who was there to really listen to you all, and I know you're having another one as well, so just saying when that is and when people can be involved and everything like that. Yeah. yeah
2: um the community forum was great there was great turnout um i would say we had about 200 people there um it was at the Merryweather library as you stated um we did have a panel of three community folks uh jerome wright um ivette chavez and um Nic- nicola lita Rodriguez, and then also three of the erie county legislators were there chairwoman april baskin um, Howard Johnson, who chairs the Public Safety Committee, mm-hmm. and then Gene Vino mm-hmm. um, were also there. And it was essentially a place for folks to get more information that mm-hmm. this, a lot of people didn't even know that a jail had been proposed. Mm-hmm. Um, like when talking to people, asking them why they even came to the forum, a lot of people said, I didn't even know this was happening,
1: right? Wow.
2: And so, they heard about it and wanted to come find out what was going on.
1: Yeah,
2: um, And so there were some questions that we wanted to ask the panel, but then also we provided space for um, community members to submit questions to be asked. Um, and then a time at the end for community members to kind of just like speak about whatever their takeaways were mm-hmm. from the
1: event. Mm-hmm
3: yeah it was it was excellent and people really did have a lot to say um, about you know reentry, about the need for victim services about the right. culture and the right. jails and right. so it really is this topic that doesn't have like one clear answer like oh we just need to mm-hmm. you know funnel mm-hmm. money into mm-hmm. hospital beds or like That's inpatient right. beds or mm-hmm. something like that it's a lot more nuanced than that so mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's it was really exciting to
3: hear um, people's uh, passion for this issue and all of the ideas that folks have, we just need to yeah. ask them and listen.
1: And when's your next one? And is it gonna be at Merryweather as well?
3: Yeah, um, June. I think we're
1: still working on the date.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, But in the first couple of weeks of June, will be the next one.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll wait for more information on that. Um, I think it's amazing that you're trying to include community voice on this. I really hope that that is heard, especially because you have key legislators there. Hopefully, they're able to take that information back and really fight for the communities that they serve. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you both so much for being here. Um, This is the public good. I'm Deja James with Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, uniting over 365 organizations working to build a better Buffalo. It's the Public Good, Tuesdays at 1030 a.m. on Power 96.5
0: FM and Mix 1080 a.m. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Public Good. Next week, Mike Zach from Grow Operative and Allison Ewing from BreadHive discuss worker-owned cooperatives in Western New York. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.